listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. A little short series called Discipleship. And last week, we, we just looked at God's word from various different spots that, that we came up with an, with an idea of what God's word defines discipleship as. Last week, we said that, that at Oasis Church in 2018, we're going to define disciples as followers of Jesus striving to imitate and obey him. Followers of Jesus striving to imitate and obey him. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought about being a a disciple was about being a believer. Oh, it is a believer. You can't follow Jesus without believing and follow him correctly. There were a lot of folks that followed Jesus because of what they were waiting on him to do or say or how he was going to defy the laws of nature and they were waiting and watching, but only those who had placed their faith in the fact that he claimed to be God's Messiah were those that were his disciples because they were following and learning and ultimately striving to imitate and obey whatever he said. So we looked last week into Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We reminded ourselves as a local body that Matthew 28, 19 and 20 tells us what we're supposed to be about. It's Jesus' words to his disciples just before he ascended back up into glory. And it's where he says, now I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. I want you to go wherever people are and I want you to make disciples. What is it he's wanting us to make? He's wanting us to make followers of Jesus who strive to imitate and obey Christ. I want you to go into all the nations and I want you to tell them everything you saw and heard from me. And when they believe, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to teach them how to imitate and obey my words, whatever I've commanded you. And don't worry, I'll be with you always all through the end of the age. And so we argued last week that our purpose as a ministry, every believer's purpose is to go and make disciples, followers of Jesus who strive to imitate and obey their Lord. Now to do that, we ourselves have to be disciples. We ourselves have to be more than just believers. If we're going to make disciples, we got to be more than just believers. We got to be disciples ourselves. We've got to recognize that it's not just about what I believe when it comes to making disciples. It's what I'm doing in response to Jesus' invitation to follow me. Follow me. Disciples making disciples who make disciples. That's what God has called us to do. We've made that our mission statement when we say that Oasis Church exists for one reason, and that's to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to lead folks that have never entered into a relationship with Jesus by faith. We want to lead them into a relationship by which they hear the gospel, they receive it, and they trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. His death, his resurrection, answering their sin problem. 
and being born and adopted into the family of God. And then we want to lead them into discipleship. How do we do that? I don't know if you walked in this morning and noticed we've got some new banners that are hanging down on the four corners at at the end of the foyer. It used to say, welcome to Oasis. And he turned around and said, welcome to Oasis and welcome to Oasis four times. And we wanted everybody to feel quadruple welcome. But now we put up some, some identifying words, some reminders that we want to constantly be going through your mind, through the eye gate. Now today through the ear gate, they are these words. Connect, serve, grow, and go. Connect, serve, grow, and go. Connect, serve, grow, and go. We see those four words. I want you to just imagine an assembly line. And I want you to imagine the workers on that assembly line being the body of Christ. And folks coming down that assembly line that we are helping them to connect and serve and grow and go. And connect and serve and grow and go. They get down to the end of that assembly line. You know what they do? They jump off the assembly line and now they're helping folks to connect and serve and grow and go. It all goes back to our mission, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus based on Matthew 28, 19, 20. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. We boil all that down into two words, and they are reach and teach. Reach and teach. We've been called to make disciples. How are we going to do that? Well, we've looked at God's word, and we've said, okay, Lord, what have you shown us that's going to be normal that's going to be a, 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 a tendency among disciples. What are they doing and how are they doing it? So that we'll know as the folks are coming down the assembly line that we're teaching them the right way. And obviously we want to be correct in our doctrine. We want to be based on God's word. And we want to understand God's word. But we ask ourselves, but how, how do we... How do we take someone who doesn't know how to follow Jesus and strive to to imitate and obey? How do we do that? And we've just discovered some reminder words, some things that have always been true about those that would hear and obey God's invitation, and we're trying to put those to practice at Oasis Church. Today, we want to talk about two of those four, connect and serve. We're calling this discipleship in community. How do we see discipleship happening at Oasis Church? How do we see it happening and and what are we doing to, to provide those processes by which someone can be led into a growing relationship with Jesus. And we've looked to God's word and we've 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 tried to understand as best we can how and what that looks like. So I want to draw your attention today to to a a pretty significantly large piece of Scripture. We're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. We're going to be reading most of the verse, or most of the chapter. We're going to read from verse 4 all the way down through verse 31. If you have smartphone or tablet and you're following version, all of this should be there and you should follow along. If not, I would encourage you to make some notes. I'm going to make references to Scripture I'm going to make some comments about particular portions of Scripture, but then you need to go back and make sure that I'm telling you the truth. 
You say, well, wait, wait, you, are you going to lie to us? I have no intention whatsoever of lying to you or twisting the truth. But don't trust me because I'm fallible. You go back and you read. Read it in your lap. Go back and read it at home and then ask me questions. Now, wait a minute. You said this and let's be a part of that iron on iron, right? So I'm not, I don't know it all and uh, I'm mistake prone. So you follow up on me and make sure I'm teaching you the right thing. Got some of you worried right now. That's okay. First Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number four. Paul says, Now, there are variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Paul is writing to a local church in the city of Corinth. He's writing to a body very similar to what we have right here, a group of disciples, a group of followers of Jesus who Paul is hoping will strive to imitate and obey Jesus. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. That's a lot of another's. There were a group of people. You get what he's saying? That God has given a variety of gifts. To one, he's given this. To another, he's given this. To another, he's given this. To another, he's given that. All these, verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse number 12. For just as the body is one, he's talking about the physical body, just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. He says, like your body is made up of all kind of individual members, individual moving parts and pieces. And you know that from time to time, some of those individual pieces and parts break down. Okay, but we're all working together. We're one body. He says, it's the same way with Jesus' body in the time where he is not present. Jesus is not physically present on this earth, yet from a certain point of view, I know that sounds awful Jedi sounding, but from a certain point of view, his body is present on earth. And here's what he's going to do in explaining. Verse number 15. Or wait a minute. Where was I at? Oh, verse number 13. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, that would be Gentiles, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but has many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And, on, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But, the, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Now, that is a large section of 1 Corinthians. And I'm not going to go back and explain this entire chapter. Because I think the chapter is self-explanatory to the biggest point. The point is that all true believers, all followers of Jesus who have come to him by faith alone in his death and resurrection become a part of what Paul is calling the body of Christ, the body of believers. And we are interconnected to one another. By God's design, all followers of Jesus are birthed and adopted into a new family and that family is to function like a body and just like we have multiple members one member is not more important than the other member one's function is not more important than the other's function we all function together by God's design as an interconnected interdependent body now here is where in part in part the catholic church gets it really good because they see the body as interconnected and dependent upon one another where they err is when they put print put more authority on themselves as the human aspects of the body they put more authority they put more hierarchy than we are given so they get what we miss and that is we're together whether we like it or not now in the protestant church 
of which I don't, you know, so whatever Protestant means to you, to me, it just means not Roman Catholic, okay? When the Protestant church comes together, many of those come together like a, like a group of folks that have, have something in common, and that is their like for a style of worship, their like of a location, their agreement on a philosophy or a theology, and they just come together and occupy the same piece of space, and then whoever it is standing where I stand says amen or a benediction or whatever, and we all go home. And we have no interconnectivity. It's just a, a group of folks with a, something in common, and they end up at the same place. And that's unfortunately how many of us see who we are as a part of the body of Christ. We'll agree, yes, I'm born into God's family, but you know, that doesn't mean I got to hang out with those folks. I know some of you probably haven't been to the family reunion in decades because quite frankly, some of the time you wish they weren't your family. But that doesn't change the fact that you're connected to them. God has designed us as a body. Not only that, God has designed true believers to be specifically gifted by God for a specific function in the body. Not only has he connected us together and and intertwined, whether we like it or not, You know what we have in common? We have the faith in Jesus, crucified and risen, and we have the common denominator of the Holy Spirit. God says, whether you like it or not, you're like a building fit together, brick on brick, touching one another and leaning on one another and and holding one another up and, and, and being a part of one another, whether we like it or not. And he specifically gifted us for a specific function. So God, in his grace and in his love, he fashioned us together, and then he said, by his own choosing, I'm going I'm to gift you with this ability, and I'm going to gift you with this ability, and I'm going to gift you with this ability. In fact, all of you are getting a gifting from me that you would not have apart from my giving it to you. And it's not for you to take and hoard. It's not for you to use for your own personal gain. You know what it's to be used for? The body. You know, he gives us this thumb. You know, he gives us this thumb and it's an awesome thing to have a thumb because you know what you can do? You can hold a spoon and with that spoon, you know what you can do? You can eat cereal. And you know what? We like eating cereal or pudding or pie or soup or whatever it is you like putting in that gullet of yours. We like that thumb. The thumb's not gifted just for itself. The thumb is a blessing to the belly. The thumb is a blessing to the tongue. The thumb helps hold on to the bat that you like to swing. The the thumb helps you hold on to the firearm you like to carry. Please don't show us who's carrying. But the thumb, it's all kind of helps you to hold on to the steering wheel. Bless God when you're going down I-4 at 100,000 miles an hour. It's there and it has a specific purpose for the body. Can you operate without the thumb? Yep. It just makes life super hard. So God has designed us. So when we're thinking about 
connect and serve. And, and, and as a body, when, when, when the leaders are going, okay, Lord, how do, we, how do we make disciples? How do we do that? We see from God's word that he designed us as interconnected members who have specific giftings for use and function in the body, okay? We call this community, community. Discipleship happens in community. In fact, I would argue that real discipleship can't happen outside of community. It can't. So like if you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I'm going to get God's Word, and I got the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to go get in my closet, and I'm going to isolate, and I'm going to spend every waking minute I can reading God's Word and praying and studying, and I'm going to become this super disciple right in my closet because there's so much out there that I just don't want to even expose myself to. I don't want to see. I don't have influence on me, and I'm just going to be here by myself and just, just me and God. You're not going to grow in your relationship with Christ as he designed it because you're not in community. So how do we create community? We'll get to that in a second. Before you begin to think I'm off my rocker and I'm just trying to make a pitch for life groups, I want to argue to you that community is first seen as reflective in the Trinity. You're like, wait a minute. Okay, what, what now are you talking about? Okay, just think with me a minute. How many gods are there? One, thank you. One. Can we all say that? How many gods are there? Good. A hundred percent. How many persons make up one God? Three. They are God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that all three persons of the God have, have eternally existed, Father, Son, eternity, before time, and they'll eternally exist. You realize that the Scripture, you, you have to dig, you, you have to be willing to study, but the Scripture will clearly identify God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit as co-equal members of the Godhead. None are more God than the other. None is more powerful than the other. They are co-equal, but they function uniquely, distinctively. They are, they, they have everything that makes up godness, whatever that is. I'm just making that up. I, I, don't, I don't understand God, but everything that makes up whatever it is to be God, all three of those persons have, yet they each function interdependently upon one another, meaning that they mutually submit to one another. You know, the Spirit and the Son don't get together and go, well, I guess we'll just have to do whatever He says because He's the Father. I don't know. We'll submit, but I wish He'd ask. No, they don't work like that. The Father and the Son don't get together and say, you know what, let's, let's play a fast one on the Spirit. No. They're interdependent upon, they're mutually submissive to each other. It is a community, if you will, within the Godhead of complete fulfillment. They need nothing because they are completely fulfilled in and of themselves. 
I would argue because of what John the Apostle says in one of his little letters toward the end of the New Testament that God is love. That is a reflection of what that community within the Trinity is. Mutual submission in a, in a, in a, a community of perfect love and interdependence and interfulfillment in community. God's very existence has been revealed to us as a community of fulfillment and mutual submission and enter. It's phenomenal. Why in the world did he make us? I have no idea because he wanted to love us. And he wanted to be in relationship in a, in a loving back and forth relationship with creation. How awesome is that? And so we see that not only is God in community, in a community of interconnection and distinctive uh, function, we see that he created us in this way. You'll notice in, in, in Genesis chapter number one, verse number 26, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna step over here because I'm going to opinion, okay? I'm going into my opinion, all right? You watching? I'm stepping into my opinion. Here's what I think. I think that a part of God's created image in us is that he made man, all men and all women, to be in a marital, intimate connection. Okay, because some of you are going, wait a minute, I thought Paul said singleness is good, and if you're single, and you, you know what, you preached before that you ain't gotta be married. I know, I know, I know, all that's true, but we're living in the world affected by sin. Like how God designed it has been broken, okay? But I think in God's, in God's major plan, his design for us was not living single, as Paul said, you know what? You can serve Christ if you don't have the hindrance of a spouse. And y'all that are married, y'all know sometimes we can hinder one another, all right? But in God's perfect design, think about it. Think how he designed us. Man, woman, together in intimate connection. And you say, wait a minute, that, God's three. We're two. Hold on. What happens between the man and the woman in intimate love connection as children oh but wait a minute we, we that means we would only have an only child and we've got four no don't 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 break up the the analogy here what is it daddy mama babies and then what do they end up doing go becoming a daddy mama babies you so, say, but pastor kevin we can't have kids i, I know I'm not talking about now. It's broken. There are all kinds of problems with what. So we're, we're playing from behind, if you will. We're playing toward redemption. I'm talking about in God's design. Think about it. God was completely fulfilled in his own relationship to himself, Father, Son, Spirit, in a loving, mutually submissive community. And then he creates us in his own image. Remember, when I stepped over there, what did I step over into? My opinion. I think part of the image of God is that we were designed to reflect 
the community that he lives in, in that enter. And you see it even in the New Testament, even in the broken way that we're to interact. How are we to interact with one another in mutual submission, loving, respecting? See, God made us that way. But what happened in Genesis chapter number three? Sin. And sin broke it all. Sin broke that interconnection that I think God designed us for. It broke it apart. You see it in Genesis chapter number four. When a brother is upset with another brother and they weren't even arguing over who got the video game next. And what did he do? He killed him because he was was jealous of his brother. We see that separation fleshing out in Genesis 6 through 9 when the whole world began to to identify this separated, hate-filled selfishness that ultimately caused God to go, I can't tolerate this anymore. Mankind has gotten so far away from my design that I got to do something. And we know in chapter number nine, what happened? Chapter eight and nine, he destroyed the earth with a flood. And you think, well, okay, God fixed it. Except in Genesis chapter number 11, we see folks getting together again and deciding, you know what we can do? We can build a tower to God and we can be as, as, uh, we can, we can elevate ourselves and be whatever we want to be in our own ability. And God says, there they go again and so God had to turn the volume up on the separation that they were having from him and he separated them on their own language but we were created for community we were created for interconnection interdependent in an environment of love and fulfillment together God's intention to redeem mankind includes the redemption of his community. Let me read these to you. Revelations chapter 7. I I added an an S to the Revelation. It's only one Revelation. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. John says, After this I look and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. You know what that picture is? That picture is the redeemed community of people who have been separated since sin entered into the garden now standing together with no separation anymore before God shouting out in worship when God brings redemption to completion the community the people will be together and you won't be looking and next to your neighbor and wondering why you got stuck over here with the uh, the Arabian people hey why did I get stuck over here with the the Eastern European or the, the Asians African American. Hey, why did I get? No, you'll be looking at brothers and sisters like God created them and designed them as a beautiful spectrum of his glory, crying out with one voice for one purpose in one community. How cool will that be? So when God redeemed us, 
It's not just so that we could all get into heaven free. It's so that we can be a part of that redeeming community. Are are you experiencing your salvation to its full today? Say it. No. You want to say, of course I am. No, you're not. There's more to come. That's our hope. Are we all standing with one voice, singing one song as one people? No, that's what's coming. But we are moving in that direction daily more in the redemption than we've ever had before. Every day coming closer and closer to who God's called us and is going to make us. And so should the community. Not only that, in Revelation 20, verse number 4, and Revelation 22, and verse number 5, we hear in in chapter 20, verse 4, we hear about the millennial reign as we understand it. A thousand years when Christ returns and sets up his kingdom for a thousand years here on this earth, we believe that's a real thing that's going to come into the future. And that verse, uh, verse number 4 of chapter 20, talks about us reigning with him. We're doing some kind of reigning, some kind of work in verse number five of chapter number 22, and night will be no more. They need no lamp of light nor sun for the Lord will be their light and they, who are they? The redeemed, the redeemed, and they will reign with him forever. You see, in the garden, God says, let's make man in our own image And let's let them have dominion over the entire earth and subdue it. I don't want to just create y'all to lay around by the river. I mean, you'll get bored with that. I want to give you something to do, some kind of function to put yourself into so that you can feel a part and be a part. So he designed us to have dominion, but sin came in and guess what? This world has got dominion on us. The folks in the panhandle are experiencing right now what the earth and its dominion can do to a bunch of folks that live on the coast be in prayer for them. We are not in dominion over the earth because sin messed it all up. But there's coming a day when Christ will reign and we get to reign with him. What does that mean? Man, I would have to get out of the room over into my opinion out in the foyer to tell you what that means because we got no idea what that but it is a functional part that God wants us to be involved with we've got work to do in eternity and it ain't sitting on a cloud playing a harp it's work but it will be glorious and fulfilling and exciting so when we look at first Corinthians chapter 12 what do we hear We hear Paul talking to a people who came from brokenness in community, brokenness in their function, and they discover that, hey, God has birthed you into a new community. Matthew tells us that that community is called the church, that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And all y'all together will not be stopped even by the gates of hell. So we learn that Paul Paul says, God has brought us into a new community and he's gifted us to function in that community for that community. 
So what do we do when it comes to making disciples? Here's what we've got to do. We've got to lead the followers of Jesus into community. We've got to teach them how to do life together because you know what we are predisposed to do? Do our own life, come together with a smile, high five, shake hands, you know, cheer, whatever, and I'll see y'all later and go back to our isolation. Discipleship ain't happening in isolation. You can tweet that, that will be funny. We gotta bring you into community. Well, what does that look like? Well, at Oasis Church, bringing you into community looks like groups. This is a part of the community, but this should be secondary community, all right? This gathering should be an easy place for folks to come and experience what it's like to be at this church with this group of people. That's why I love the authenticity of this church. When you come in on a Sunday morning, Whatever you see is what we are, right? I mean, those of you who've been coming for a while, you go, yep, that's it. That's pretty much it. There's no, there's no bait and switch. There's no, oh, that was cool. And then get there next week and go, oh, they're not doing that anymore. No, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. You don't like it. I don't know what to tell you because this is what it is, right? So this is a safe place for folks, but it also should be a celebratory place for all of us who are already in community. The community happens when we intentionally invest in one another for more than just niceties. You know what niceties are, right? It's what you say to folks you don't really know, you know, and I don't really remember your name, so I say, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, how's your, your wife? How, you know, how, we don't know. So what do we do at the church? We go, well, that discipleship ain't happening in that. If this is your, you say, well, you know what, Pastor Kevin, my group is on Sunday mornings because I just want to be with there, but you're not, you're not walking in discipleship if this is your group, okay? You got to get more connected. So what do we do? We promote life groups. You say, is life groups in the scripture? Nope. You're not going to find life groups nowhere in the scripture, but you know what you're not also going to find in the scripture? Kids ministry and student ministry and Sunday school, and you're not going to find bus ministry nowhere, but we do whatever we got to do to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, which requires community. So here's what we say. Let's get together in smaller groups so that we might know one another. And as we get to know one another, we might discover how to love one another. And when we begin to love one another, we might start doing for one another. And once we start doing for one another, we might begin to allow these folks to sharpen us. When, when we might need some correcting and we got a brother who's brought us supper when we needed it and looking at us and going, hey man, I, you know, I heard what you said the other day. I just don't really think that's in line with who we are in Jesus. I mean, you ought to think about how that comes across. And you know what we don't do? We don't bristle as bad because this is a brother that we've been doing life with. Now that takes time. You know why? Because we're an isolated people. So it takes time. We got time. And right now, our vehicle for connection is life groups. You need to be a disciple. 
And that means community. But apart from being together, discipleship ain't happening. Say, Kevin, you mean mean everybody? Nobody can be a disciple if they're not a part of one of your life groups? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying somebody's missing out on discipleship because you're not a part of a life group. It may be you or it may be somebody else who's missing a thumb. Make sense? Not only, not only the connection, but there's the, there's the function. We say we connect by being involved in groups, men's groups, women's groups, life groups, so that we can do life together. And then we also want to lead. So when they're coming down, we want to connect them. We want to get them connected get them connected with the body, get them plugged in so that they can become a disciple in the context of community as God has designed. And then we want to find out, hey, how how can you serve the body? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? God's gifted you. God's gifted you. And we need you to do what you do. So there's missing a thumb, and then there's having a thumb that don't work. Dale, you had that for a little while. You had a, had a hand that wouldn't squeak. That I know because I'd talk to him. You know, I was like, "How you feeling, Dale?" And I could tell in him. You know, I'm I'm feeling fine, but I'm frustrated because this hand won't squeeze what this hand used to be able to squeeze because it wasn't doing what it was designed to do. So what do we do as a church if we want to make disciples? We got to find out how God has gifted you. That's kind of like pixie dust, right? How God has gifted you to serve who? Us. You know what Jesus said? He said, for the son of man has not come to be served, but to serve. And one of the most beautiful pictures of this entire thing that we're talking about right here is found in John chapter number, well, where are you? John chapter number 13. Where Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, his apostles. And the Bible says when he got to the end of the supper they were having, which was the Passover, Jesus, the teacher, the Messiah, took off his outer cloak and he took a towel and he wrapped it around his waist. And everybody's looking at him like, what are you doing? And Jesus got down on his knees with a pan of water and started going around the table and pulling his disciples' feet to him. He was doing the work of a slave and he would take their feet and he would put them up in his, on his knees and he would take that, that water and he would wash the feet of his disciples. And then he moved to the next one and he washed their feet. We, we, live, in a, we live in a world, and I'm one of the daddies, we live in a world where daddy gets the biggest piece of chicken. You know why? Because he's daddy. But here's what the Savior was doing. He was going around washing the nasty feet of his disciples. He got over to Peter. Peter pulls his feet back and he goes, "Uh uh-uh, Lord, you're not doing that. I can't stand the thought of you doing the work of a slave on me. I'm, I'm hating that I didn't wash your feet. That should have been my job. You can't do that. Jesus said, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you're going against me. Peter's like, well, okay, let's do a bath then. And Jesus' like, no, 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 we ain't into that. You're already clean, buddy. Because of faith, God has cleansed you. I'm trying to make a point. Now, give me your feet. And he washed his feet. He got around in verse number 12 of John chapter 13. When he had washed their feet and put his outer garments on and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Verse number 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have foot washing love one to another. I've shown you boys what community looks like. I have picked by hand the 12 of y'all And I have walked with y'all for three years. I've let you be who you are and I've been who I am. I've walked with you. I've talked with you. I've listened to you. I've taught you. I've let you follow me and we've been in this together and I've been serving you all along, but no more visible than when I take your dirty feet and I use what I have for the benefit of of you 12, and one of them was a betrayer. We have what it looks like to connect and serve in the upper room. And Jesus said, you'll demonstrate that you're my disciples as you are connected and serving. Connected and serving. Connected and serving. Two questions. Are you in community? Don't say my family's tied. No, 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 no. Are you in interconnected community with folks that didn't raise you? With folks that you don't have skin in the game other than the fact that, well, I guess we're doing this together because that's what God wants. Are you connected? If you are not We want to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to help you get connected because in community is where discipleship happens. The next question is, are you serving? Are you using what you have that God has given you in this body? I want to bring this down to the youngest ones in here from sixth grade up. We've got our students in here. Last year, we did a much better job of of getting them connected to jobs in the church. And that's been the ball that I've dropped. But everybody who's old enough to be in here and, and, and understand what we're saying, if they're a follower of Jesus, then they can do something. I mean, just a little pinky sure is a help sometimes when I'm trying to hold that spoon with cereal up to my mouth, right? So every one of us have an opportunity to serve together. And in our serving, we are in the arena of discipleship. If you're trying to follow Jesus and you're on the bench, discipleship ain't happening. We need everybody to be connected. We need everybody to be serving 
Not in some capacity. We're not going to put you in the kindergarten room when you say, I hate being around other people's kids. We want you to do what God has gifted you to do. And not only that, we'll help you discover that. You've just got to decide, I'm going to step, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to imitate and obey him. And I know that's what a disciple does. So what do I need to do? We want you to get connected. And we want to find out how we can get you busy because it's in community and in service where discipleship happens. Connect, serve. No one's too young. No one's too old. Everybody has a part to play. Are you connected? Are you serving? Having heard God's word today, How will you respond? Maybe you say, I know that I need the connection of the body more in my life. If that's you, you've got to step into that. We can't come to every one of you and go, hey, did you decide you want more connection? No, you've got to step in. The hospitality team is ready to hear you say, I really need to get a part, be a part of of a life group. Can you help me do that? We'll get you connected. But you've got to step into that. I'm a lady. How do I get to be a part of the women's group? Well, I'd love to tell you because you're going to find community there. How do I get to be a part of the men's group? We'll tell you. You'll find camaraderie and community there. Maybe having heard God's word today, you say, I need to be more active in engaging my brothers and sisters to get connected and stay connected. You, You know, I don't need to be the only one leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's our job. And and when we do that together, then it's not just me compelling people from the stage to get connected and get serving. I got y'all who are rubbing shoulders with everybody going, hey, are you in a life group? You know what? We never have. Well, won't you join mine? We'd love to have you. Or, hey, are you, you, you know, I see you every week. You need a job here. What, What is it you like to do? I need your help. That's our job together. So maybe God's telling you, you need to be more active and on the assembly line. Maybe having heard God's word today, you say, I know that I need to be actively serving in the body. I know, I know, I need to be doing something. Connection cards. Maybe you didn't get one because you're not a visitor, but they're out there on the, on the hospitality table. And it's a matter of you putting your name on this side and then just telling us what you think you might be interested in doing. That doesn't lock you in. That just gets the ball rolling so that discipleship can happen in your life as you're serving in the way that God has gifted you. Maybe you say, I need to be actively helping my brothers and sisters find their place of service because I see them on the sideline. I don't want them on the sideline. And maybe I need to come along and be an encouragement to them to get in the game. And if they go, well, I don't really know where to serve. You go, well, I'm in Kids Connection next month. You want to come back there and see what that's like? Or I work with student ministry or I do this. Hey, you want to, hey, you want to, are you a computer literate? I bet Scott would love to teach you how to run the visuals or maybe create video for it. There's all kinds of things we're not doing because we don't have nobody to do them. Maybe that's you. Or maybe having heard God's word today, you say, man, I realize I'm not a part of the community. I sure would like to be a part of a community where I could belong, where, where, where folks would need me and, and that I could be useful. Oh, that community, that, the door to that community is wide open. And, and, and over that door frame 
has painted the blood of Jesus shed for you with the promise of his resurrection that we know to be true. You walk through that door, you can come as dirty as you are. You can come as unworthy as you can imagine. You can come into this community simply by faith, believing that Jesus died in your place for your sin, and and he would want me to be a part of the body? Oh, man, yeah. He would want to use me in this body? Oh, ma'am, you just can't imagine how God wants to use you in this body. And he'll birth you, he'll adopt you into this family, and he'll put you together with folks who need you. You need them. Are you connected? You can be. Are you serving? You should be. Are you in the community? Oh, man, why would you not be when the invitation is open and available? Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for us, who rose from the dead, who's alive today. Salvation is available to all who will by faith trust in the gospel promise that you love us, we need your love, we can't save ourselves, and you want us to be a part of the family so that we can then be functioning members of the body of Jesus. Father, I pray that you'll draw those who don't know Christ faith in him today. And I pray for my brothers and sisters. Help them evaluate how connected they are. Help them evaluate how they're serving And where there is lack, I pray that you will draw them. And Father, I promise if you'll draw them, we will do all we can possibly do to get them connected and serving as disciples of your son for your glory. And Father, we ask that you will speak to our hearts, not let us quickly forget what we have heard, especially if it's something we've known for a long time. May we wrestle and may we desire to strive to imitate and obey your son in the world that we live in for your glory as we wait on his return. We love you. We trust you. We thank you for what's in store. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.